You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. Hey, before we get into our message today in the book of Acts, I want to remind you of our Christmas outreach. And today, if you brought your four items, we're, we're collecting dishcloths, dish towels, paper towels, and Kleenex. If you did bring any of those items, that you can drop them off at guest services uh, right down the hallway on your left. And um, that is going to help families who are in need. We're going to actually uh, build baskets of non-perishable items, um, personal hygiene items, and then cleaning products uh, such as these to go to families who are in need uh, in here in Bay County. So if you brought your items, uh, make sure to drop them off at guest services. If you did not bring anything, there's still time. And remember, the goal is 150 of each of these. And I think that we're going to knock this goal uh, out of the ballpark. I think this should be pretty easy for all of us. And then there's one more thing as well, you guys. I, I mentioned this last week, but we also need uh, 17 volunteers to help put together these baskets. This will take place on Monday night, December 13th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the local uh, 692 um, on Thomas Street in Bay City. Now, if you want all of the details, here's what you need to do. Go to radiantbc.com. That's our website, and you can register there. And on the website, they'll, they'll give you all the details of the address, of the meeting place, the time. And so listen, if you'd like to help, help us, um, we need 17 people to volunteer. Now, once those 17 slots are all filled up, that registration will be closed out. So just so you know, it's first come, first serve kind of thing. If you go on the website after a few days and you noticed it's closed out, that's because we have all the volunteers that we need, okay? So if you're thinking, man, I want to help uh, put these baskets together, make sure you look at your calendar and plan ahead and then go to our website immediately to register to volunteer. All right. Well, this morning we are in part number seven of a series that we started in the book of Acts in the New Testament entitled The Spirit-Empowered Church. And in this series we're looking at the origins of the church, the, the very first church, the church that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to talk about persecution and opposition against the church from the world. How do we respond as Christians? How do we respond when we experience opposition? How do we respond when we experience persecution from the world around us. And this morning, we're going to look at a story. We're actually going to, we're going to cover two chapters, but there's, there's no way that we have time to, to read all of this out loud. So I'll summarize much of it for you. But we'll look at Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John, they are headed to the temple for worship. And on their way to the temple, they heal a man who's been crippled since birth. Now, this man creates quite a ruckus in the community. Uh, in the, 
in the temple, and he gathers all of these people around him because he's so excited uh, at He's so excited because he's just been healed that all these people gather around this man. Now, just like in Acts chapter 2, Peter takes another opportunity to preach Christ to a captive crowd. Now, the religious rulers don't like what they see, don't like what they see uh, happening here. And so what they do is they seize Peter and John and they put him in jail for the night. Now, here's what I want you to keep in mind. I want you to keep in mind that these are the same religious rulers that were responsible for the death of Jesus. And they want this whole Jesus movement shut down. And the reason why they want it shut down is because they love their place of power, of prestige, of authority, and they weren't about to give it up for this so-called Messiah. The rulers and authorities, they order the apostles not to speak about Jesus uh, any longer. Now, uh, Peter says to the religious rulers, you can determine whether we're guilty or not. But as far as speaking about Jesus, he says this, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. Eventually, these authorities let the apostles go free and the apostles then turned to God in prayer. And it's this specific prayer that I want us to examine this morning. And it's found in Acts chapter 4. And if you have a, a Bible or a smartphone, I, I, would love for you to, to, I would love for you to join me there this morning as we look at this prayer. And I want us to notice how the disciples or the apostles respond to opposition or persecution in that day and age. So let's go ahead and join me. If you join me, Acts 4, beginning in verse number 23. We're going to look at several uh, verses there this morning. Here's what it says. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and, and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
Let's take a few moments, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the rest of our message for this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, this morning and, of course, for the four lives that were raised uh, to walk in newness of life in the waters of baptism. And God, this morning, uh, we pray that you might open our eyes and open our hearts, really, God. Soften hardened hearts, God, that are here this morning, God. Um, Lord, break down every barrier that maybe we have built over the past several years that prevent us from hearing from you this morning. Uh, God, move in this place and move in our lives, God, by the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you might give us uh, the courage that is necessary to respond to your word this morning, God. God, we pray that we might be able to sense your presence in a very tangible and real way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you think of the persecuted church, what do you think about? Or rather, maybe a better place is where do you think about? Perhaps when you think of the persecuted church, you might think of a place like Afghanistan, right? That's been in the news lately. And in Afghanistan, if you are discovered to be a Christian there, it's likely that you will either have to flee the country or it's very likely that you will be killed for your faith. When you think of persecution, maybe you think of uh, places like North Korea where it's illegal to to follow Jesus. And in North Korea, if you are discovered uh, as being a Christian, it is a death sentence. And if you aren't killed on the spot instantly, you are or you will be sent to a labor camp where you will be known as a political criminal. According to opendoors.org, there is, check this out, an estimated 50 to 70,000 Christians imprisoned because of their faith in North Korea right now. 50 to 70,000 Christians held captive because of their faith. But what about the church in America? What about the Western church? Are we experiencing persecution? Well, compared to the countries I just talked about, I think we could, we could say no, right? I, I, it may get to that place. I, I pray that it never gets to that place. But compared to other countries, the answer would be no. And let's acknowledge right now that we live in a country unparalleled in the history of mankind in terms of uh, worship, in terms of assembling. And, and we ought to thank God for that, right? We ought to thank God for those freedoms. It's amazing that we're able to worship and assemble like we are. And many people have paid dearly so we could worship and assemble like we see fit. But culturally... What's going on, right, culturally around us? What's happening right now in this moment? I think we can all agree that where the Christian faith at one point or at one time used to be at the center of culture has now been sort of really pushed to the margins of culture. 
Where at one time in, in the United States of America, it seemed as if that Christian Judeo values were the standard or they were the norm. That is no longer the case. Now if you hold to a, a Christian Judeo view or you hold to a Christian Judeo set of moral standards, it's really all, it's, 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 it's as if, it's if you are uh, narrow-minded, judgmental, right, bigoted, and even hateful. The world that was once familiar to many of us is no longer familiar. Now, I think to some of us in here, I, I think especially to those who are maybe a, a little older, I think you can think back just 20 years, and just think back 20 years to a very different world or a very different America. What is going on in our country? What is going on in our world right now? I think this cultural moment can be described as post-Christian. This is the type of persecution we are experiencing, and I'm convinced that we will experience from now for a very long time, that our, our, our beliefs will be pushed to the margins and that will be viewed as the judgmental ones or the narrow-minded ones or the ones that are simply irrelevant. And so this morning, I want us to look at this prayer that the apostles pray and how they respond to opposition from the world because it's instructive for us today, church. Because here's the deal. Here's the fact. Let me say this, that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. If you follow Jesus, you're going to, at some point in time, you're going to experience opposition. It just comes with the territory. You know, Jesus himself said this, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. That's right. You will have trouble. Paul writes to Timothy in, in the New Testament, and he tells him this, that everyone who desires to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Everyone. We simply cannot avoid it. And so today we're going to look at this prayer once again in Acts chapter 4, and we're going to notice, we're going to learn how can we respond to opposition? How do we respond to persecution? How did these apostles respond to opposition? So let's dive right in. What do the disciples do first? Number one, the disciples take comfort in the sovereignty of God. The disciples take comfort in the sovereignty of God. Look at verse number 24 again. It says this, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And notice what they first say. They say this, Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Church, Radiant Church, these disciples reminded themselves of the sovereignty of God. What do you do when you face persecution? What do you do when you face opposition? What do you, what do, you do when you, it feels like your back is against the wall and it feels like no one is listening to you or you're being made fun of or mocked because you hold to a, a Christian biblical worldview? What do you do? You remind yourself of the sovereignty of God. And that word sovereign there in the Greek actually means 
absolute ruler, master, authority. This word speaks of God's exercise of power over all creation. The disciples here in this context are appealing to a higher power. They're appealing to a higher power. Why? Well, they had just been in the presence of these religious rulers who had power, uh, prestige, uh, position, and influence. And these apostles, I mean, they were nobodies, right? And they were just fishermen. In the world's eyes, they were nobodies. They, they had no cultural power, no cultural influence or, or prestige or position. They didn't have anybody in sort of, they didn't have friends in high places that they could just call who would come to their rescue or come to their aid on their behalf. The only thing they had is that they had been with Jesus. And these religious rulers tell them to stop speaking of the name of Jesus. So what do they do? They appeal to a higher power, to a higher power. They're reminding themselves that God is sovereign, that God possesses all power. He's the ruler of all things. They're reminding themselves that what? That God created the heavens and the earth. And if God has the power to create heavens, to create the heavens and the earth, he certainly has the power, what? To come to their rescue. He certainly has the power to come to their aid. The disciples may be limited in their power, but God is certainly not limited, right? You and I, we're, we're limited in our power and our ability, but God is not limited. Some of you might remember a few weeks, or a few months ago, rather, of the series that we did in Daniel. We spent about eight or nine weeks in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel uh, chapter 4 specifically, there's this, uh, there's this prayer that Nebuchadnezzar prays, and we'll get to that in a moment. But in Daniel chapter 4, Daniel interprets the Babylonian king's dream. And essentially, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And let me just summarize it very quickly for you. But the dream is this, is that Nebuchadnezzar will be humbled by God. So Daniel interprets the dream, and guess what happens? Well, the dream comes to pass, and Nebuchadnezzar is humbled by God himself. And I want you to notice what Nebuchadnezzar says after he has the dream and after it comes to pass. Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 and 35 says this, At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases. With the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done. I love this prayer because in this prayer, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges that what? That God is sovereign. And whatever God wills, will be done. And here's the, here's the best part. 
No one can stop him. Amen, church? Right? No one can stop him. So listen, this serves as a reminder for all of us this morning that when you're facing opposition, when I'm facing opposition, we're supposed to remind ourselves who's really in charge, right? Who's really in control? It's a reminder for all of us that no matter who is elected, no matter what ruler is in charge, no matter what policy gets passed, no matter what law goes into play, no matter what the scenario looks like, listen, God is still in control, right? We are still in God's hands. And men and women may think that they have power, but guess what? It's only given to them because of God. And it's limited. It's limited and it's for a time being. So the next time it seems like you're being overlooked at work. Or perhaps this, maybe you're being passed over for a a, a promotion. The next time it seems like the entire world is against you. It seems like no one will listen to your cause. It seems like no one is giving you an ear. The next time you face a situation like this, I want you to remind yourself of the sovereignty of God. Remind yourself that God is in control and his will will be done. His will will be done. You know what? I, 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 take com- I take comfort in the fact that God is not in heaven saying, oh no, they've elected him, or oh no, they've elected her, or oh no, another war, what am I going to do? Or God's not in heaven saying, I didn't see that coming, right? No, not at all. Listen, God sees all, he knows all, and he's in control of all. And it means this, and we sing about it here often at Radiant Church, it means this, is even when we don't see it, and even when we don't feel it, God is at work behind the scenes. That's what it means to take comfort in the sovereignty of God. It means this, that whatever we walk through in life, whatever you walk through in life, no matter how difficult it might be, that God is already on the other side waiting for you. That's what that means, that God is on his throne, that he's in control. And I know, I get it, we look at the news and we turn on certain uh, news stations, and although it might seem like our world is going to hell in a handbasket, listen, we can, we can take comfort in the sovereignty of God, that God is still good and he's still for his people. And this should give us an inner confidence and courage to face the future, right? So when we face opposition and persecution, we take comfort in the sovereignty of God. The second thing the disciples do is this. They ask God for the strength to continue, They ask God for the strength to continue. Look at verse 29. It says this, Now, Lord, this is their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What do they want to do? They want want to keep speaking about the name of Jesus. They're, They're not throwing in the towel. They're not quitting. They're saying, God, would you consider their threats and would you give us the boldness to continue to speak about who you are. 
I love this because just a few moments ago, we looked at the sovereignty of God, and now we're looking at, now we're looking at man's responsibility, right? Because we know God is in control, but we also have a part to play in this. And they're praying that God would give them the courage and the strength to continue going on. They asked God to enable them, to give them boldness. Now, I think this is interesting because as we look at this prayer, we notice that these apostles, they're not praying that God would strike them dead, right? I mean, that would be the easy thing to pray, right? God, would you just strike these individuals dead right now? That'd be awesome, right? God, that lightning trick that you do, yeah, that would be fantastic about right now, right? No, they're actually, it's a pretty humble prayer. They're actually saying, God, would you consider their threats? Now think about this for a moment, because who would they have learned this from? They would have learned it from Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who told his disciples, right, to love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. And so these apostles aren't praying prayers of vengeance, but they're actually praying humble prayers. You know, my prayer, uh, my prayer for all of us, Radiant Church, is that God would grant us the strength to continue. I pray, my prayer is this, I pray that Radiant Church would be a church that perseveres, that we'd be a, a church that endures all things. My prayer for Radiant Church is that no matter what happens in the future, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens with a new variant, no matter what happens with the economy, listen, that we would be a, ch- a church and a people who continue to live out their faith boldly. God would give us the courage to persevere. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the end times. He says this in Matthew 24, 13. He says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, right? The one who endures, the one who perseveres to the very end will be saved. Church, I want to just encourage you this morning that when you're facing challenges, opposition, maybe even a persecution, I want you to pray and ask God for boldness to continue. When it feels like you have no strength left, when it feels like you're ready to throw in the towel, when it feels like you're ready to quit, I want you to ask God for the strength to continue his work that you might, that you and I might finish the race that has been marked out for us. I want you to pray that you would not grow weary in doing good. That you would not be overcome by the, by the chaos and the madness around us and the world around us. I want you to pray that you would not grow weary. I want you to pray that you would not lose heart. But that you would continue the work, that the work that God that began in you, the good work that he began in you will be completed one day. I often pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it as well. God, keep me faithful. God, keep me faithful. Lord, the work that you started in me, see it through to completion. God, give me the strength to finish the race.
No matter what you're facing in life, no matter what you're going through, we can model, we can copy the apostles to pray for the strength, for the boldness to continue. Finally, this, this, the disciples prayed. They did this. They asked God to do only what he can do. They asked God to do only to do what he can do. Notice verse 30. It says this, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I love this because this should be our prayer as well, right? This should be our prayer that we'll continue, we'll continue, we'll continue to do all the things in the natural. We'll continue to, to, to serve our city. We'll continue to, to bless our city. We'll continue to, to pray for those who need prayer. We'll continue to encourage those. We'll continue to spread the love of Jesus in our city. We'll continue to gather and worship and bring other people to know the Lord like we know the Lord. We'll continue to do good in our city and bless people. But now we're praying, God, would you do signs and wonders? Would you heal people? Would you do miracles? God, would you open people's eyes to see who you are? God, would you open people's hearts? God, do the work that we cannot do. Amen? I know that many of us think of signs and wonders as supernatural acts, and they are, right? They are, indeed. But let me just close out our time this morning and say this. Maybe the sign and wonder in your life is your life. <laughs> maybe the sign and wonder is your life. In other words, this church, maybe the greatest work that God could do through you is the greatest work or is the work he's doing in you. Maybe it's the work, listen, maybe your life your life change is the work or is the miracle that God is doing through you. Maybe your testimony, your story will be the greatest witness for someone to come and know Jesus. Maybe you're the only Bible that some people may ever read. And if that's the case, listen, in your greatest work or your greatest testimony is the work God is doing in you. And it's the light that shines in you. And so this morning, I simply want to, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us this morning that as we think about opposition, as we think about uh, persecution, as we think about maybe our, our, our backs being against the wall or our faith being marginalized, that we can take comfort this morning, we can take comfort in the sovereignty of God, that God is in control, right? He's in control. We can ask for God to give us the strength to, to continue, to, perse to persevere, to endure all things. And finally, we can ask God to do only what he can do. And what I want to pray for you this morning as we close out our service, and with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's do that this morning. I want to pray for you. Pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning, God. And God, we just come to you and we thank you, God, for this prayer that we find in Acts chapter 4. God, we thank you that, uh, Lord, we can trust in your sovereignty.
God, we can trust that you're in control, God. We can trust that you have all power, God. And even when it seems like the world is falling apart around us, Lord, we know that we are in your hands. God, today we ask for the courage and the strength to endure all things, Lord. God, would you give us boldness to continue to speak your word boldly, God. Finally, God, we pray that you might do only what you can do. God, would you pray, or God, would you heal people? God, would you open blind eyes? God, would you soften hardened hearts today, God? Today, Lord, I'm praying if someone doesn't know you today, God, like we do, Lord, would you open their hearts and their eyes to see you, God? Would you break down walls and barriers so that they can come to know your love, God? The reality and the truth that you went to the cross on their behalf, in their place, God, to forgive them of their sin. And three days later, you were raised to life, God. And God, it's only through you that we can experience life, purpose, God, peace, joy, God. It's only through your son, Jesus Christ, God. And I pray, God, that we might turn our hearts to you this morning, God. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this church and in our lives, God. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, amen, amen, church. Listen, thank you for being with us today. Remember, if you have items to drop off, you can drop those off at guest services. If not, we will see you soon. God bless you guys. Oh, man, Barry, you're, you're too much, man. Uh, I forgot, prayer team. Yeah. What's up, man? Are you serious? Well, that church is blessed. <laughs> Oh, did you really? Was it the, um... Yeah, there is one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, maybe they will. I mean, if it's a... Uh... Yeah, if it's a church worth their... Uh... Yeah. It's a family that you belong to. Church is not just a building that you visit... It's a family that you belong to. And these first Christians were a loving church. They prayed together. They ate meals together. They, they worshiped together. Um, um, they took communion together. They were sharing things. They had all things in common is what the scripture tells us. You know what they were doing? They were working out what they were learning from the apostles. They were putting into practice what they had learned from the apostles. Isn't that amazing? Putting into practice. Why? Because loving and learning also go hand in hand. Loving and learning also go hand in hand. If you don't have a community to practice everything that you've been learning, you run the risk of becoming a Pharisee. Knowing all these things with nowhere to practice them. What's a Pharisee? A Pharisee is full of pride, 
right? Religiosity is what we call it, right? This idea, I know so much. I know all this about the Bible. I'm looking down on all you Christians who don't know anything. And, uh, 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 there's, there's no perfect church for me. Every church is terrible. I, I can't find one church pastor, right? So it's like, oh my goodness, right? The problem might be you, right? It might be you for real, though. I'm just keeping it real this morning. Some of you are like, does he always talk like this every Sunday? Every Sunday, yes, right? <laughs> so if your feelings get hurt, it'll be all right. You'll get over it. This is why community is so important, though, seriously. Because in community, this is the place where God is going to work in you. Love, joy, peace, <laughs> self-control, long-suffering. God is going to teach you how to love people who are different from you. Newsflash, right? It's easy to love people who look like us, think like us, vote like us, all those things. Talk like us. That's easy. It's not so easy to love people who are different from us. This is why we need the church, though, right? It's in relationship with others where God grows you the most. Let me say it like this, church. You can learn in rows, but you grow in circles, right? That is good. Yeah, I think so myself. (laughs) You can learn in rows, but you grow in circles, right? The idea of community. This is it. When you come to church, church, I want you to learn, right? I encourage that. That that is, that's, that's my heart. I want you to learn something. But you really start to see spiritual growth in circles. That is, when you come around other people, maybe you're serving together on a team here at Radiant Church Maybe you're in a small group. Maybe you, you, you come to our women's group. Women, ladies, you come to the women's group this Tuesday night. You get around some like-minded women, and you start to talk, and you start to talk about life and parenting and struggles and challenges, and then, and then you pray together, and then you encourage one another, and there's mutual encouragement and edification takes place, but that doesn't happen with you and your iPhone, okay? It happens with you in community, you in relationship with other people. Let me say this. Radiant Church, we're not a huge church. For some of you, maybe we seem like a huge church, but we're really not. We're not a huge church, but we're still big enough that you can slip in and slip out without ever having been noticed. Now, let me just say this. If you're newer to Radiant Church, I, I, I'll say this. I understand, and I, and I get it. You want to be under the radar. You don't want anyone to know your name You don't want to have a face-to-face conversation to anyone. You're still trying to figure out if Jesus is just, is he a thing? Is he not a thing? What is this all about? Maybe you've been hurt by church, right? I've been there, been there, done that. And you're you're coming back into church. And and this season is a time of healing for you. Let me just say, I get that. And I understand that, all right? There is a season for that. And I went through that at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids in the same way that maybe you're going through that right now, okay? But let me just encourage you to not stay there. Let me just encourage you to not stay there. You can take a few months, and I, and I get that. But I want to encourage you not to stay there, because here's what I believe. I believe a spirit-filled church is more than just something you attend. A spirit-filled church is more than just a good podcast that you listen to. A spirit-filled church is more than just a, a YouTube channel that you subscribe to. No, listen, a spirit-filled church is a community of believers 
that you belong to, that you do life with, right? That you literally do life with. It's a community that you live out what you're learning with other people who are like-minded. And I know there's a million things that we can disagree upon. I get it. There's a bazillion things. But you know what's greater than all of those things is Jesus at the top, right? So we center around Jesus. I know you have your opinions. I know, I know. But listen, listen, listen. None of that ultimately matters because all, every kingdom of this world will come to nothing anyways. And Jesus will rule and reign. He is the king. And his kingdom will come here on the earth as it is in heaven. That day is coming. It's coming. But it's in community. Listen, it's in community where, where we get rubbed the wrong way. It's in community that we have to learn patience. It's in community that we have to somehow learn how to love that brother. It's in community that we, we got to somehow learn how to do life with her, even though she gets on my nerves because she always has an opinion on everything, right? We got to learn how to love others. And I know, listen, it's not easy. It takes effort. And let me just acknowledge this because I already know this is what you're thinking. Marco, it takes risk. Yes and amen. There is risk involved. There's risk of being hurt. I get that. But can I just say that the risk is worth it? It's beneficial ultimately for you. It's beneficial ultimately for you. We may not always appreciate our differences, but God uses them to grow us in his likeness, to mature us. Spirit-filled church, listen, is a learning church. Spirit-filled church is a loving church. We'll get to the rest next week. Three more that we'll cover next week. We're going to close our, our service this morning. I want to thank you for being here. If you're a visitor, thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. I want to pray with you and for you. And I simply want to just say this. If you don't know Jesus, well, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to know him in this moment. I'm not inviting, I'm not inviting you to, to a religion. I'm not, I'm not inviting you to a cult, Okay. Contrary to what you may see on TV or social media, I'm not inviting you to even church. I'm inviting you into a relationship. I'm inviting you to know God personally, not from a distance, but personally, through his son, Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and from then on there, sin has been the root of everything that's bad, everything that's wrong in our world, death, hatred, racism, right, anarchy, famine, war, everything that's wrong, sickness, disease is ultimately a result of sin. But Jesus said that we can be forgiven of our sins. and One day he will return to make all things right. He'll eradicate all sickness and disease. Death will be no more. But listen, you're only promised that kingdom if you trust in Jesus with your heart. Jesus, with all of your life, with all of your beliefs, that you give everything you know to Jesus. And I simply want to invite you to that, invite you to that today. Invite you to know forgiveness. Invite you to receive grace. Invite you to know the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. I know that some of you may not think you even need it, and I get that. I'll still pray for you, that God would soften your heart, 
I want to pray for you this morning. Let's pray together, church. Every head bowed, if you wouldn't mind, every eye closed. God, we love you this morning. Lord, we believe upon your son, Jesus Christ. We believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life. God, we believe, God, that Jesus is the only son of God. Today, we we choose, God, to, to turn away from sin and to turn to your son, Jesus Christ, who took our place on the cross, who received the just punishment for sin by dying in our place and shedding his blood. God, we thank you that because of Jesus, the price he paid, that if we trust in him, God, we receive forgiveness of sins. We receive his love, his grace, his mercy. And so, God, we trust in Jesus this morning. God, we say forgive us of our sins. Give us a new heart. Give us a new life. We want to experience new life right now, right here, God. We want to follow you, God. We want to know you personally. So, Lord, would you do that right now all across this room? If you're here right now, listen, I want you to turn to Jesus. Under, under your breath, you can say this. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm following you today. Jesus, I trust you. And you can receive forgiveness of sins, God. God, we believe that you lived a sinless life. You died on the cross in our place, and three days later, you were raised from the grave, and now you sit at the right hand of God, and one day you will return for us. And we believe in you. We thank you for the gift of new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.